Welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, Act Two is a network and support group for working screenwriters. This podcast is just one of the cool things we do, so thank you for joining us here today. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, write a comment. All of that helps us get in front of other writers and also comments help us emotionally yeah (laughs) little by little (laughs) if you'd rather dm us absolutely do that with questions or topic suggestions we love to talk about what you want to hear about so reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com that's all spelled out or on instagram and twitter at act2writers and i'm also on both of those things at story thursday on instagram or on twitter at tasha 3.0 and I'm on Instagram as Josh Hallman and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. This week in writing. Boom. This do, should we should we should we let people know what we're going to be talking about today, Tasha? Maybe they figured it out in the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe, they, they, maybe that's why they clicked on it. <laughs> All right, we're going to start with this week in writing before yeah. we get into the meat. I've been so excited. I'm not even. I don't even want to know if you're going to go first because I'm going to go first. <laughs> okay, go. I've been waiting a full week to talk to you about this week in writing. I'm really excited. It's about Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm going to say that this is a very big spoiler alert. So if mm-hmm. you haven't watched Ted Lasso, I'm going to pause for one second and you hit the skip ahead 30 second button and then come back in like two minutes or whatever. <laughs> I, I was reminded of something. Mm-hmm. So at the end of season two, mm-hmm. Ted Lasso kind of gets his nemesis. Nate the Great, who is now, you know, it was building throughout season two and everyone kind of saw it coming. And now going into season three, it's probably going to be his his enemy, basically, mm-hmm. for, you know, in TV terms. Mm-hmm. Now that he's the villain, I thought it was really interesting because the way that they crafted Nate was in such a sympathetic way, I felt, mm-hmm. in the sense that when Ted Lasso, he's like, Nate, like, what's your problem with me? Like the reasons that Nate gave Ted Lasso to why he had a problem with them were so mm. grounded in emotion and character mm. and like, you've been ignoring me. I've given you gifts. I, it, he didn't even bring up that he's like using his plays or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was about like his personality. Mm-hmm. We talk often uh, outside of the podcast about like kind of crafting an antagonist and that's been mm-hmm. like, everyone talks about that. And I feel like Nate's going to be a really great antagonist because you feel for him mm-hmm. and you understand where he's coming from and i feel bad I mean, for nate the great i hate nate the great exactly but... this is why he's such a fucking great antagonist now <laughs> but what you said is really interesting particularly in crafting villains and antagonists is that the monologue if you want to call it that that nate the great gives in the season finale to ted where he's yelling at him about why he hates ted is completely about like you make me feel small and these are the ways you make me feel small it's all emotion as you say i'm just reiterating you because that is such a really great point versus plot reasons versus things Mm -hmm. that i think we're sort of used to hearing and writing about in villains i was so caught up in hating nate and you're so wrong nate what are you you're crazy that i didn't even really tag that wow well it's just great i thought and then he you know he obviously kissed um Roy Kent's girlfriend or fiance or whatever. And 
Roy Kent didn't care. Like Nate was just getting piled on throughout. Mm -hmm. And you just, at least I felt bad for him. Like you understand where he's coming from. And I just think it's a good way if you're writing a villain in television or in a movie, just look how Ted Lasso has, has done it. Mm -hmm. All right. My this week in writing is not meant to put you on the spot, Josh, but it's about taking big swings and it was inspired by Joshua. Oh, or last night, if you don't mind me saying, we had writer's group and Josh submitted the first act of a spec script that he's been working on. And you've actually written the whole script, but you're revising it now. And <laughs> so you just submitted the first act. And I yes. thought Josh did something really brave that I'm really terrified to do. And so he inspired me where he started his revision. His, his act one is now 15 pages later than it was in your original draft, thereabouts. You took out your entire original opening, which like, is huge it's it's really awesome and it reminded me so much of how my manager is very huge on telling me not to go to script too early because she likes mm. to do an outline and talk during the process like what are the themes and just like logic the shit out of it to the point where sometimes my energy for the project gets lost and i've actually not completed things because of that process i just wasn't allowed to go to script but her her philosophy comes from the fact that once you've written something down in the script, she believes it's harder to change those things. Mm. And I just think that that's, I find that to be so true. And I don't know why exactly, but once you actually put something in the script, it feels like it's in concrete now or that it's written in stone. And yeah. it's much harder, like I'll do little revisions here and there, but to take out whole sections um, is just really difficult for me to see that I need to do that, I think is the problem. Not that I'm not willing to, just as I, that's not the first idea that comes to my mind. So the fact that you were able to do that, I'm just really proud of you. That's all I have to say about that. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it, it felt liberating. <laughs> that's awesome. Was it scary? Did you think like, I don't think this is going to work or did you do it? And were you like instantly like, oh yeah, this is better. Well, just to give a little more context. Yes, I cut all, it's basically the inciting incident is now the beginning of my script and it did feel better, but it is very difficult to get a lot of character stuff in because I feel like in your, obviously it's the setup. So now it's like, how do I do setup kind of loop, you know, mixed in with this inciting incident like mm -hmm. it's doing like double work which i definitely didn't accomplish but it did feel good like i felt like oh this is the right thing to do yeah i think it's definitely benefited um your story and i think just benefits all stories wow i think in my head i'm like i'm gonna just start writing 80 page scripts now like that's it like, they're gonna be short everything is gonna <laughs> oh, be man, doing gonna triple duty <laughs> <laughs> this is a action comedy it's 65 pages long and uh let's go done <laughs> wow well i appreciate that this week in writing yeah because it was somewhat about me yeah. so i'll take it <laughs> um i have one more i had a conversation with the producer i was telling him about an idea i was kind of spitting this idea to him and he said to me you know i told him this concept and he was like okay that's a good idea but it's execution dependent mm -hmm. and i was like yeah isn't like every <laughs> script execution dependent yeah and he and it was the most awkward like pause in a conversation and then i got back to then i start to think do people say that to you like yeah. hey have you have, have 
that's just a fallback term, isn't it? Like execution dependent. Like that, I feel like people say that when they don't like an idea. When they don't see an idea immediately, that's what they say. When it's not okay. clear to them. That wasn't a, that was this week in uh, venting. That's, that wasn't even this week in writing, but I just yeah. wanted to like, you get that, you hear that I've heard this term before and I feel like you hear this term every so often and, um, execution dependent, no fucking shit. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just an example of how we come from two different worlds, writers and producers, because yeah, it's all execution dependent, but from their point of view, they can't see pitching that and immediately selling it in the room or immediately making yeah. someone understand it. I have um, actually one more. This was like the big this week in writing. Mm -hmm. But if you have one more, I'm going to let you go. If not, I'm going to go for it. Okay, I kind of have one, but I didn't want to say it because I felt dumb. Oh, say it. Okay, so I love Top Gun. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, and say no more. I <laughs> I'm done. That was my this week in writing. <laughs> uh, I recently rewatched it and was like breaking it down scene by scene and, and really thinking about where the turning points are. And to give you an idea of how much I love it, I watched it on mute because I had to do other things. And I still knew what every single scene was about and what they were saying. <laughs> so wow. that's how much I love it. But in breaking it down, I just saw the movie very differently. And I was actually texting you a bit about this, Josh, which is what is the midpoint of Top Gun? And... I think the midpoint is when he's sitting with Charlie at dinner and the story of his dad comes up for the very first time. And it's about how he doesn't know what actually happened to his dad, but the story goes that his dad screwed up one day in, in war and it led to people dying. But he's like, there's no way my dad was the best pilot in the world. And the reason why I feel like that's the midpoint is because for the whole first half of the movie, Maverick is a maverick, right? He's just got all this bravado and he's screwing up and he doesn't care. And you're wondering why he behaves this way. And then at the midpoint, you get this story and you're like, oh, now all of yeah. this is coming from an emotional point. And then I thought to myself, could that be the midpoint? That's not a plot mm. midpoint. That's not even something they were setting up. Like, I didn't even know the dad thing was a thing until this moment. So that to me was just an interesting conversation thing of what can a midpoint look like? And I think about thinking about midpoints differently than we do now, which I think is like a plot turn point. Like for me, when I think midpoint, yeah. I'm like, the whole movie has to shift at the midpoint. It's like, yeah. no, actually, I think maybe, maybe just the audience's point of view of the movie or your character can shift and that's a valid midpoint we should break down top gun oh my god can we do that on as this our next podcast breakdown? yeah as our next ah! as our next breakdown because I, I don't really remember top gun as well as or i don't know it as this well as you do over. right now. but i love top gun i feel <laughs> but i feel like it's just like one of those awesome movies that it makes it's more of like a feeling rather than mm -hmm. a movie to me yeah, I get if that. If that makes sense. I get that. Um, and I would be interested. You're wrong, but I get it. No, no, I mean, it's just <laughs> fucking Tom, uh, Tom, wow, Tom Cruise doing awesome shit. Yeah. I was going to call him Top Cruise. Top Cruise. Um, <laughs> yeah, the emotional midpoint. Yeah, of an action movie, by the way. Of an, yeah, that's, that's why it doesn't seem, but it makes sense. You know, Tom Cruise, he picks really great movies. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. Okay. I have one more this week in writing. This is a big one. It deals with Twitter. Oh, boy. Screenwriting Twitter, okay. my favorite place. <laughs> so, Tasha, recently, a uh, 
Twitter handle or Twitter feed or a company named ScreenPit mm-hmm. basically asked writers to tweet their log lines. And the idea behind it was, I think, that writers will tweet their log lines and then producers and managers will see the log lines. Oh. And then if someone's interested, they can connect with the writer. Mm -hmm. And they had a specific hashtag. It was this big kind of push to get writers to do this. And there was like, it was really, there were some cool log lines, I think. Mm -hmm. Naturally, there was a backlash Mm -hmm. all over Twitter. And it was basically, hey, don't post your ideas on social media because they can be stolen. And it turned into a big debate. Mm -hmm. And I I thought this was interesting because it kind of ties into our big topic of the day. But mainly I want to know, what are your thoughts on log lines being posted to Twitter? I do have a thought. And I've oh. told this story before, but it feels apropos. So I'm just going to tell it again. Because this was a, a turning point for me in terms of thinking about ideas. We're at a friend. We were meeting for coffee at Bricks and Scones in Larchmont. And I was like, oh, what are you working on next? And she kind of looked around like she was a spy in James Bond. And then leaned <laughs> close to me and was like, I'm working on blah, 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 blah. And it was whatever she pitched me her log line. I was like, okay, yeah. why are you saying it like that? <laughs> and her feeling was that in a busy cafe, someone could overhear her idea and then go make it before she could. And in my mind, I was like, A, no one's listening to you. B, even if they did take what you just pitched me, they should not be able to come up with the same script that you yeah. will come up with. Like you have to have such confidence in your vision and voice that I could give you the same log line, Josh. We could write the same off the same log line and still create different stories. So part of me mm-hmm. feels like, hey, who cares if people see your log line? Because you're going to do something different than they would anyways. <sighs> that full stop, maybe. Full stop. That's how I feel about it. You, wouldn't, you would post it online and be like, take the shot. Yeah. Like you, I mean, yeah. I mean, not me personally i don't feel the need to do that but (laughs) i wouldn't feel like someone was going to steal my amazing idea yeah unless my idea is not that amazing and then Mm -hmm. it's their prerogative yeah okay how do you feel well i as someone who's released pitch videos on youtube yeah i feel the exact same way Mm -hmm. like i i i I honestly, I probably, if I was really, really passionate about a script, like one of my specs I've been working on currently that you have been reading, I wouldn't post it on social media Mm -hmm. just because I'm too far down the road. But if I just have like a general idea Mm -hmm. and this is what it is, I'd I'd probably post it. Why not? What's funny is we, we both feel this way. And at the same time, we have also both emailed each other deadline articles of scripts that have sold where we're like, this fucking idea like should have been mine. Like I like yeah. I love this idea and like why didn't I that think of true. this idea? So <laughs> maybe maybe we're not thinking it totally through and that there you is this what? other side of it. You're completely right. Cause I, I feel like maybe the ideas they're good and they're execution dependent. <laughs> However, um when you hear like that high concept idea that you know is just a no brainer. That's what I would be worried about posting, personally speaking. Yeah. Because someone can get there first on a high concept. And it may not be the story you wrote, but they've gotten there first on the concept, which kills your the potential for your concept. Like if you're both yeah. writing, I, in, in my case, it happened, you know, um, King Arthur. 
and mm, and someone else sells right. a King Arthur thing first. No one in the market wants to buy another King Arthur thing. They just don't. Yeah. Maybe I see both sides. There are two sides I, of this coin. I'm totally talking myself out of it because <laughs> just the, the last thing I'm going to say is I remember there were, the most recent was a deadline article for or not the, I remember this because I was like I wish I thought of this and it was essentially Die Hard set inside of the hangar from Indiana Jones. Oh my god. And I was like, oh my God. And it sold. It was the most Joshian movie of all time. Yes. I saw it on deadline and I was like, how the fuck did I not think of that? (laughs) Like all I ever do is like think about Indiana Jones, the Goonies, Yeah, mashups with Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is a mashup. You guys are probably annoyed with me mashing up Indiana Jones. (laughs) like, E.T. meets Indiana Jones. That's a perfect segue. Yeah, let's go. Into what we're talking about today, which is how to find ideas which is something a lot of writers talk about and have asked about i think because a it's just interesting to hear what inspires other writers and b it's because of those like reading deadline articles you see this new idea brought up by a studio like for some reason right now that that writer's headshot looks really smug to you (laughs) and you're like just (laughs) full of envy how this bastard's idea got uh got bought up why didn't i think of that so kind of in honor of those feelings of envy (laughs) that we all feel we're going to talk about generally some ways to get your brain working and come up with ideas and where we have found ideas this is interesting because there's no right way to find an idea No, it's all over the place. So I'm, we have not talked about to each other yet what we're going to say. So I'm curious where you find your ideas. Can I start with what we do in Act 2? Because I think we have at least two very cool ways of generating oh, yeah. brain ideas within Act 2. So Act 2, if you pay attention to how we open the podcast every week, is a network for working <laughs> screenwriters. So that's how we actually started, was just a group of screenwriters uh, getting together and supporting each other. And some of the things that were important to me in starting act two was to keep people's brains in the world of writing in fun not exhausting ways so a couple of things that we do in act two is idea creation nights which you can very much take this and make it your own and do it yourself with your other writer friends and that really helps i think um just get those juices flowing with ideas so i've kind of talked about this before on the podcast but idea creation nights are something that pre-pandemic we would do about every three months and usually we'd meet in b rock's conference room at his apartment complex one of our act two writers Uh, and we'd start the night off with a 10 minute writing exercise And you can easily Google dozens and dozens of writing exercises online. Uh, You could come up with your own. It's just something unexpected to get the juices flowing. Like you're walking down the street when you see an alien standing in the middle of the road, write a story about what happens next, but write it from the alien's perspective. So that could be a prompt that we have and you have 10 minutes to do it. Then after those 10 minutes, pencils down, we'd go around the room and anyone who wanted to read their story could do that. And... That can be fun, even though it's very nerve wracking, because like I could read my story and Josh could be like, oh, you know, what's really cool about that is X, Y and Z. And you're like, oh, that is really cool. I didn't even see that myself. And then your brain starts going about how maybe this could be a movie or this could be a TV show just based off this basic prompt. Yeah. Then we would play a board game and we always try to whether it's a writing specific board game or not, try and find writing ways of going about the game approaches to it that are writing related. 
Although everyone pretty much likes to play the same game, which is Pitch Storm, which is a card game uh, that is published by Skybound, which is the company created by Robert Kirkman, who created The Walking Dead. And boom, Pitch Storm, all writers should go get it. Highly recommend it. They do not sponsor us, though they should. <laughs> it is yeah. just a great game where basically one person is the screenwriter, one person is the studio exec, and the screenwriter has to pitch to the studio exec using random cards that they pick out from the pile, mashing them together, and pitching it within two minutes. And within that two minutes, the studio exec has their own cards that they lay down and say, like, great, like, it's cool that you want to do a story about a plumber, but we're really looking to do a sequel to Smurfs. Can you make it your plumber story, your plumber diehard story, a story with Smurfs? And you as the screenwriter have to figure out a way to address that note in your pitch. So it's really fun game, makes you just kind of think differently about story because you have to do it on the fly, which I think can be really empowering, especially if you're in a writing slump or you've like hit some kind of wall. And then yeah. we usually end the night with another 10 minute exercise. So that's very easily something that you can do that generates ideas. And then I would say the next thing that we do that helps me anyways, generate ideas and inspire me is we do something called a script club where every month we read a script that is either a classic or it just sold or it just came out in theaters. And it's never, did you like it? Did you not like it? Let's rip it apart that way. It's okay, strictly from a writing perspective, like mechanically in this script, what is working, what is not working? Why do you think this script sold? What changes were made from the script to the screen? We get really specific about the writing. And I think because you're getting into the mechanics of how things are working, I find that after those meetings, I really wanna to get to work and start start mm -hmm. writing myself i just get really inspired so those are two things that you can do to drum up ideas wow is the podcast over <laughs> <laughs> that's it Pull the plug. you pretty much the day. You covered everything <laughs> that's it wow i don't even know how to follow up to any of that no where else do you find ideas from all right well i was thinking about this and i feel like there's a few different ways you can look at getting an idea but the way that I kind of get my ideas, I will throw out ideas even though I know they're fucking terrible. And I'll talk to you about it. I'll talk to Dave about it. I do mashups all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just kind of getting the ideas out always. I'm always like, hey, what about this meets this? What about this meets this? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I used to be a little embarrassed about it because I would be like, this might not work. But those bad ideas always kind of lead to something else, mm -hmm. I think. So um, I'm not precious with ideas by, by any stretch. No, that's super important. I was just talking to someone today who said that they postponed their career for a very long time because they were so afraid that if they embarked on writing, that they would mm. fail at it and they would be so upset that their dream couldn't come to fruition that they just didn't even want to start. And I think what you're saying is incredibly important and does come up with a lot of writers is I'm so scared of failure that I'm not even going to come up with the ideas at all. And you're saying do the opposite, just like vomit out <laughs> ideas generate ideas constantly and don't be afraid of the shitty ones i told yeah that's that's kind of my thought behind it but so this is what i wrote down a couple we have a couple different categories of trying to figure out how to write your next thing mm -hmm. one you can hack the system you can look at the landscape of the screenwriting world and say oh my goodness i think that their horror movies are really great with uh a lead that is 
this person and you know you kind of look at you you just have to kind of see where trends are going i don't recommend this route however so you and i know somebody yeah you and i know somebody who tried to kind of hack the system where it would be like you're just trying to figure out like what would sell yeah like, give fa me as fast as you possibly can so there that's one route mm -hmm. have you tried to do that before have you tried to hack the the writing system no i still haven't figured out how to hack the writing system <laughs> okay <laughs> There is just where you can combine ideas that you love. For instance, oh, I really love Back to the Future. I also really love Indiana Jones. What is Indiana Jones meets Back to the Future? And then you kind of start thinking in that world. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's something I personally always do is like movies that I love and I combine them and then think about how they can work together. Can I just interject for a second? Because yeah. that is such a valid way of going about things, even though I think some people turn their nose up at it because recently a studio executive at a major studio was like, can we just make this movie like, you know, example, Harry Potter, just make it Harry Potter and change the names essentially. Like, can we just make it like that other movie that we've all seen and loved? So they want oh. mashups like studio execs want mashups. They also want you to pitch that it's a mashup, right? They want you to say like, this yeah. movie is this meets this. So if you're thinking in that vein, it's okay. I have found it very helpful and it helps people understand it, like understand your idea. Yeah. I hate to say it, but, and that's just the world I think in, just because I know movies. Hey, Shakespeare stole his ideas, so it's okay if we do. Well, I mean, necessarily, am I stealing? Am I blending? <laughs> am I borrowing? <laughs> Sorry, moving on. <laughs> hey, moving on. Your passion project. It. This is like... um. I'm a new screenwriter. I just moved to Los Angeles. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm about to write a story about a guy who moved from Wisconsin into Los Angeles and leaving his friends and family behind. Yeah. Like, that's like, I feel like a common idea that most people have when they kind of come into Los Angeles. Yeah. But that is also, or like the breakup script, you just write what you know, it comes from passion, mm -hmm. comes from the heart. That's another way to find ideas that, that I'll find ideas. Yeah, at from least your own life. Like, mm hmm yeah, like, what do I need therapy about? Yeah. And then I, I just, like, throw that into scripts. That's pretty, I, I'm, I, I think I'm all over the board right now, but th those are the <laughs> those ways are that really I kind of look for ideas. Ways of thinking about new ideas. I, this is going to be superficial, but I go to Instagram for a lot of ideas. So I follow, go. like, CNN and Vice and Wired and every science account I can think of. Basically, yeah. any information outlet that is in any way going to give me new facts about the world and the universe that I didn't know yesterday, I'm going to try to follow. And yeah. for me, sometimes the story ideas that come out of that might not be directly about the thing I see, but it's going to spark something. So like, yeah, I just saw the other day, an article about a nurse who killed her patients. And I was like, that's really interesting. What story? Like, why? A, why did that story capture my attention? It's kind of analyzing that piece of it, because whatever is that piece, that's sort of what the story should be about. And for me, it conjured this entire kind of character story about who this nurse is and what would drive her to do that. And for me, I had the starting point and the end point very clearly in my head because of this article. And then I'm just going to, you know, obviously make up the rest. So that's one way that I've gotten ideas. And um, I think that that's totally val. Like I have all these things like saved. I also use Milanote, which we've talked about on this podcast oh, yeah. before, which is an amazing way to organize your ideas. So I will often copy paste these articles that I 
am drawn to on Instagram or Twitter and then just throw them up into my like research board so that I constantly have them and can continue to think about them and make notes about them. So can I piggy piggyback off of that for a yeah. second? I use a program called Pocket and Pocket. essentially it'll it allows to like if you're reading an article, which this is another way I will find ideas is I'll be reading an article, I'll be looking through, you know, Apple News or wherever, like different magazine articles, you can literally click the link and save it to pocket. <gasps> and it creates like a library of all of these saved articles. And then you just see the headline of it. Whoa. Why yeah. have you not shared this with me before? I definitely have. And you didn't listen. <laughs> That's easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to prove it. I'm going to find it. No, but um, I don't know why I haven't shared it. Maybe because I'm selfish. <laughs> I don't know. That's a Nate the Great Villain moment right there. <laughs> How can but... I hate you if you're honest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think to me, like the key to all of this, and, and you clearly look at articles too for your inspiration, is for me, it's about just always letting your mind ask questions. And I think we as writers, you know, we grow up and we're taught not to think differently than other people because that makes you a bit of a freak. But as writers, yeah. it really is our job to have big, crazy, weird, unorthodox ideas to like see an article about a serial killer and go, ooh, versus yeah. like, ugh, <laughs> which is the normal reaction. <laughs> no, totally. You're like, wow, what would make me want to be friends with that serial killer like how would i have to help him what would a protagonist need to do in order to yes, help a serial go killer? go dark and go weird yeah your brain has to go to some dark areas yeah i love it yeah um another place that i often find ideas is at museums oh. so i will go and take pictures of plaques and i it's actually a very slow process for me to go to a museum <laughs> just if you ever yeah. go with me just know that because um, i'm constantly taking pictures of exhibits and like sending them to myself and writing down ideas that are sparked when i see this thing um which yeah. by the way would be a really fun act two exercise to do once the pandemic is over is like go to a museum but like go with intention like oh. go in here and find three paintings or exhibits that you can create an idea around or like you want okay like you can give a prompt like action movie about a blind woman go into the museum mm -hmm. find three exhibits here that will play a part in that movie and suddenly you're going through the museum and you're just seeing stories all around you so that could be a really fun way of going about a story yeah i love that you know i think a big thread and sorry to jump in over your museum thing but i think a big thing that i think is a great idea is just always giving yourself prompts yeah or Fi you know, figure out a way to get a prompt because once you allow your brain to start thinking in that, in that world where you're like, yeah, I'm going to a museum or I'm going through a drive-through and there's only people from the past inside of the restaurant, cool. like what happens, you know, and like things like that, yeah. where you just start tweaking your brain into a, in a into a different realm. And I then just think. start asking questions about it. Yeah. And start until yeah. you're unraveling it. Yeah. That's cool. Um, another thing that I used to do, but don't do anymore, not just because of pandemic, just, I don't know why, but, um, I used to go to like restaurants and diners and just someplace casual that I can hang out for a long time and not be weird, <laughs> um, yeah. where you get to experience different groups of people sitting in the tables around you and just kind of listening to how people talk in real life, yeah. not just in the movies and 
how do they talk? Like not just what they talk about, but what are their speech patterns? How is a 12 year old different from an 18 year old different from the mom at the table? And that would always be a fun exercise for me to do that would spark character a lot. I love that. I love people watching, people observing, people listening. Is it creepy? Is it creepy that these, because like my other, my other way of kind of conjuring ideas is, is like people watching, like go to a park yeah. or someplace, watch people for a few hours and like create little like five minute stories about the people you see there, which is creepy no, if you think about what you're doing, but it's also really inspirational. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's super creepy. If, if, if you if you ever see me and we're out somewhere and you're like, I'm doing something, just know I'm listening to you and I'm like making a story about yeah. it. So like something's happening to you at some you. point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to everything you're saying. I'm coming up with some kind of weird ass story that makes your life go haywire in yeah. about 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. All right. What is the craziest idea for a story you've ever come up with? Okay, so you asked me this, and it, I couldn't really think of anything. It took me, me a really long time. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had some crazy ideas for stories, but I kind of focused on script. Like, I, I always have crazy ideas about, like, time travel. Mm -hmm. Like, that, my brain always goes into some fucking weird time travel-y kind of thing. Like, and it gets really, really odd. I was thinking about a script, and as a matter of fact, it kind of happened. You read it. I feel like the weirdest script I have written was the breaking into bad robot script. Oh, interesting. To me, that was just like this, the like absurdity. Yeah. Like I was like, what am I doing right now? Why am I writing this? I just felt like I needed to write it. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad that script exists. But yeah, so that, that I think was, I think was like my craziest idea, mm -hmm. but I've gone to down some like pretty dark, dark areas. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've had some pretty crazy concepts, but I've only followed through on one of those. I don't know if I have remotely an interesting answer for this question myself either. So I was, yeah, I was going to just put You're it leaning. on you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean. <sighs> it's hard. It's a hard thing to, a hard thing to answer because. Because also what, what constitutes a crazy idea for me, because I write action adventure dramas. I once wrote a rom-com set in the 1930s. <laughs> Do you remember oh. that script? Wall and Bing. I, Wall and Bing. Yes, I do remember yeah. that script. And that's just a one-off that I love PG Woodhouse and, and Jeeves. And I just love the speech patterns and the rhythms of the yeah. whole thing. And came up with this kind of Cinderella story set in that world. And I've not reread it in many years. But to me, that's mm. like the craziest idea for a story I've had, given it's just so outside my wheelhouse i love it bring it back one day i'll relook at it rom-com tasha <laughs> i'll have to throw in some adventure heist or something in there for it to make sense oh totally wall and bing is going to turn into like a princess that falls in love with a man that's actually a dragon that's <laughs> yeah, trying to like murder exactly. a small village <laughs> <laughs> what is the weirdest place you've found an idea for a story inspiration has no boundaries but you know what i feel like you have to put yourself in weird positions to figure out ideas that's what's really crazy about ideas you have in my personal opinion you have to get out of your comfort zone yeah. 
for instance, if I'm like, I'm going to go for a hike in like this area with, um, you know, mountain lions, mm -hmm. like that seems like a really stupid idea. But sometimes if you just put yourself in that environment, it just does something to your brain and creates some kind of different energy that makes you think in a different way. Mm -hmm. I know some people who do or have done drugs, like a lot of drugs, and they come up with amazing ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's like they go to Joshua Tree and fucking smoke underneath like a rock and they come back with like four great spec ideas. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? Anyway, why? What about you? Do you have a crazy spot you came up with an idea? No, but I'm just thinking about that time I was in Ireland and I texted you when I was on the top of like this ancient... <laughs> I was going to say that. This ancient village. I, but I, I didn't want... <laughs> Just, yeah. it was all it's all just it's like a ring of rock that's all it is now and i was sitting on top of it and i was like josh i'm having like a spiritual awakening and i, I don't know what this. it means but <laughs> i remember us talking i was like she's cracked the code everyone needs to travel but that's a perfect example as you get out of like you're yeah. like i'm out of la yeah i'm going to ireland i remember being like you're going to ireland <laughs> Yeah, I just went by myself for a month, which came from a writer who's in Act 2 who was like, Tasha, you should just travel. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously I'd love to. He's like, Tasha, just go on kayak, put an alert that that'll tell you when like the cheapest flights are going and then just buy a ticket. What do you have to lose? And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. I was like so inspired by him after that dinner that I did that. And all of a sudden this alert came that like this airline no one had ever heard about is going to Ireland for like five bucks. <laughs> But yeah, the, tr the the caveat was you have to stay for a month because the return flights weren't for another month. So I was like, I guess I'm going to Ireland for a month. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was like you had to stick around for a month. Yeah, that was the only way to get that cheap flight. See, that's the kind of shit that life, this is what life should be. If stories like this, this is how you figure out what you want to write. I agree. So in conclusion... To find ideas, you must do things outside of your comfort zone and give yourself prompts. Yes. And that's it. The end. Quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Quote of the day. Everybody walks by a thousand story ideas every day. The good writers are the ones who see five or six. Most people don't see any. Orson Scott Card. Damn. Ending with a shameless plug, we have an awesome tote with that Orson Scott card quote on it in our Act 2 Writers store, mm. which you can find at act2writers.com. I love it. I think it's awesome. It, that quote inspires me. Yeah. No, me too. Please remember to rate and subscribe. <laughs> follow us at Act 2 Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0 and follow Act 2 at Act 2 Writers on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. Follow, follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. It's Joshua Hallman, Josh Hallman on Instagram, but focus on the Act 2 Writers Twitter feed handle. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.